Welcome to AEM Early Access, a collaboration between Brown University Emergency Medicine and the editors of the Academic Emergency Medicine Journal. I'm Dr. Gita Pensa, and here's what we've got for you today. Many physicians who work in trauma centers are familiar with the Orange Book, the newest iteration of the American College of Surgeons Committee on Trauma Manual on the Optimal Care of the Injured Patient. Since its publication, the requirements for Level 1 and Level 2 trauma centers have become much more similar in terms of clinical care, and much of the data that we have on mortality benefit of Level 1 versus Level 2 centers in trauma are from the pre-Orange Book era. Today we're discussing a new AEM article entitled, The Effect of Trauma Center Verification Level on Outcomes in TBI Patients Undergoing Interfacility Transfer. This study takes a fresh look at outcomes in level one versus level two trauma centers in patients with isolated traumatic brain injury who were transferred from another facility. And we have first author, Dr. David Plorad here to discuss it with us. Dr. Plorad is chairman of the section of trauma at Riverside Community Hospital in Riverside, California, and professor of surgery at the University of California, Riverside School of Medicine. He has an extensive clinical, educational, and research experience in trauma and surgical critical care. He served as a U.S. Navy flight surgeon, trauma surgeon, and director of the Navy Trauma Training Center at LAC and USC Medical Center, and we are excited to welcome him to the podcast. Don't forget to read the full text of this article available on our blog at brownemblog.com. Hello, Dr. Plurad. Thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. Uh, It's a pleasure. So today we're going to look at mortality for traumatic brain injury after interfacility transfer to a level one versus level two center and whether there was a benefit for patients transferred to a level one trauma facility um, in this era after the most recent American College of Surgeons Committee on Trauma Resources for the Optimal Care of the Injured Patient Resources Manual, which we will just now call the orange book um, as it's known because that's a mouthful. So, um, so let's, yeah, that's good. <laughs> so let's just start with some back. Why is it called the orange book? Just because it's orange? It's orange. It went through, well, you'll see it went through many, many different color iterations and the most recent one is orange. We're going to start running out of colors here. So, um, <laughs> but this can't be the last one. So, you know, we got to keep going. We'll have to move to fuchsia and magenta or something. Oh, that would um, be great. <laughs> all right. So right now we're on the orange book. So, so let's start with some background. So most listeners uh, are going to have some experience caring for trauma patients um, and may have worked at trauma centers before, but they may not be fully aware of what the criteria are these days for various level trauma centers versus what they may have been years ago. So let's just start there for background. Can you talk a little bit about the evolution of expectations for different level trauma centers in the United States? Uh, Yeah, so thanks, Gita. You know, uh, we really do appreciate the opportunity to share our study. Um, Yeah, so as to the evolution of a tiered trauma system uh, that consists of multiple facilities with increasing resources, uh, as a lot of things in trauma come from the military experience where an injured combatant would be moved through higher levels depending on their injuries. Now, taking that to the civilian world, as you mentioned, the American College of Surgeons Committee on Trauma, uh, since about the 70s has published this manual. And this manual, um, this colored book manual that we mentioned before, um, outlines, outlines the resources uh, for expectations of trauma centers. And as your listeners may know, uh, trauma centers are designated level four through level one. 
with the level one representing the most robust center. And further, since the 1980s, the uh, ACSCOT verification program assesses compliance with resources manual during an on-site visit and chart review and verifies the trauma center. But as you mentioned, through most iterations of this resources manual, trauma center requirements for each level have really been distinct from the other level with lower level centers not being required to have the resources and facilities, personnel or processes expected of higher level centers. Let's take a couple of examples. Uh, lower level centers were not required to have surgeons in house 24 seven, and there were different expectations for response times. They were not required to have all the surgical subspecialties and of particular interest to your listeners um, that they weren't even required to have an in-house um, emergency physician or emergency physician in the ED at all times since they were allowed to cover in-house emergencies. Now, with the departure of these previous versions, the 2014 update, the Orange Book, essentially eliminated the clinical difference between level one and level two centers. Our study was designed to evaluate the potential effect of these changes. Now, ultimately, the goal of a tiered trauma system was to deliver the right, right patient to the right place in the right amount of time, and we were just curious if any of these changes helped to achieve that objective. Okay, so understanding that, uh, let's talk about data that's been published in the past that supported the idea that transfer of these patients to a level one trauma facility had uh, impact on mortality. Can you can you summarize that data for us? Yeah, sure. So as you'd expect, a lot of these studies came from level one centers, right? <laughs> so um, well, there was a lot of studies comparing level one and level two trauma centers. And as you would expect, many of them show that uh, you have better mortality outcomes at level one centers. Now, particularly so for severe injury, um, such as traumatic brain injury. Uh, this applies to patients directly transferred from the scene and also for patients undergoing interfacility transfer. Uh, for example, of particular uh, interest to our study was that in the past, researchers utilizing uh, registry data from Oregon and Washington show that a transfer of a TBI patient from a rural trauma center or non-trauma center to a level one can have up to a 22% reduction in mortality risk compared to transfer at a level, to a level two. Now their conclusions supported transfer to a level one over a level two for these patients and preservation of level one centers that by the way, cost a lot of money across their index system um, despite all these extra costs. Hmm. Okay, so enter the orange book. And this particular iteration, what's the history behind this one and how has it now impacted care at trauma facilities? You, you started to touch yeah, on it before. So, right. So, you know, you see all this data that, that, you know, level one centers outperform level two. And as previously mentioned uh, before the introduction of the orange book, uh, level two centers really had a lower bar to meet to become verified. Um, and as such, that literature did support increased mortality at these centers in some groups. But with the introduction of the Orange Book in 2014, level one and level two centers are now required to have the same clinical resources and expected to comply with the same performance standards. So beginning with the site visits uh, performed in 2015, trauma centers would have had to comply with the 2014 revision. Now, a couple of examples. Level two centers will now have requirements for immediate availability of anesthesia services and a rigorous OR response time, just as expected at a level mm -hmm. one center. Specific guidance for neurosurgical and orthopedic responses were defined, and there was standardization of criteria for the highest level trauma team ED response. Level one and level two centers are now required of access to all surgical subspecialties. Now, what's also important, and it's along with the implementation of this version, 
we really did revise the site review process and reporting and reporting process. And a major requirement of all trauma centers now is participation in a risk-adjusted benchmarking mm -hmm. program, where twice a year trauma centers have to go through this rigorous progress to submit their quality metrics, and then they are compared quite painfully sometimes to similar centers. This information is then implemented locally for focused initiatives, and these are verified during the site visit. Okay. So you mentioned in your paper that your research group did previous work investigating traumatic brain injury outcomes at level one versus level two centers, but for patients who were not transferred from one facility to another in this post-Orange Book era. Can you summarize those findings, and why did you feel this study on patients who were transferred needed to be done separately? Yeah, so uh, let me start with that previous study that you mentioned. And, and we did feel that overall there's sparse data to really support the extra cost that a level two would need to undergo to comply with these new programs uh, from the American College of Surgeons. So utilizing the 2017 NTDB data set, which is obviously years after the 2014 revision, our group showed that there was no survival benefit with direct scene transfer to a level one center for severe traumatic brain injury. These data contradicted earlier studies, and most probably because these previous studies used NTDB data prior to 2008 that showed significant decreased mortality for these patients at a level one. In our previous study, we excluded TBI patients that were transferred in since we considered this a distinct group of patients. Let me tell you why. They do have a mortality bias given the fact that they have survived transfer. And indeed this group overall has a lower mortality than seen transferred TBI patients. There's also bias introduced by decision-making at the transferring center, but unfortunately we could not define that clearly with this data set. Another factor that distinguishes this group, similarly that we could not define well, is how long the delay was in transferring the patient from the time of injury to the presentation of level one or level two. Despite these, uh, well, due to these factors, we considered uh, isolated TBI patients undergoing interfacility transfer, a distinct group from those that were directly transferred from the scene. Okay, that makes sense. Um, and you mentioned the NTDB. So before we get into your methods and results, um, can you describe better for us this National Trauma Data Bank, which is the, NTT, the NTDB, and the Trauma Quality Program Participant Use File, which is the TQPPUF, which we'll mention again in a second. <laughs> yes. As, as large a data set as it is to pronounce. <laughs> so, but as you know, as your listeners may be familiar, though, the NTDB is the largest repository of trauma registry data compiled to date. Now the data submission is mandatory. So if you wanna be a verified ACS trauma center, you have to submit your registry data to this program. Now the, the trauma quality program participant use file is the actual data set that is generated from the submission of all this data and is uh, the data set that we utilize for our studies and that other groups also utilize uh, for their studies based on the NTDB registry data submission program. So it's a very, it's a very um, established program, uh, and its um, uh, trauma centers are very familiar from the past in submitting their data uh, to this program. Great. So your group utilized the 2017 TQPPUF data set for your study. Uh, so you were looking for individuals 16 years and older with an isolated traumatic brain injury 
who underwent interfacility transfer to a level one or level two trauma center. So tell us a little bit more about your study design, your inclusion, exclusion criteria, outcomes. Yeah. Sure. So, so briefly, we did, as you mentioned, we did select adult patients with an isolated TBI. Now we def- identified this by a head abbreviated injury scale score of greater than or equal to three with all other body areas less than three. Now, these scores are um, translated from uh, the ICD-10 diagnosis codes. So this was really defined by anatomical diagnoses and not purely by presenting uh, GCS, which can be far less discriminating. So we identified patients who underwent interfacility transfer because there is a variable in the data set that will identify these patients very clearly for you. Uh, and also similarly, uh, in the same manner, we were able to identify patients transferred to a uh, ACS COT level one or two center. And then we compared um, uh, differences in variables uh, between these uh, groups. Um, we compared their patient demographics, injury mechanisms, injury severity, uh, physiologic presenting uh, variables, and the presence of comorbidities, and then our outcome variables. Now, as you know, our main outcome variable was in-house mortality, but we also gathered lengths of stay uh, in the hospital and ICU, as well as treatment variables. Um, so we entered these variables with significant differences between the groups and a significant, or if they were significantly associated with in-hospital death, into a logistic regression model to determine variables with independent association with death. So, so let's just talk about your results. So it looks like over 14,000 patients met your inclusion criteria. So what can you tell us about the characteristics of this group? Uh, how many patients wound up at level one versus level two? And what did you find? Sure. So overall, uh, this group was moderately injured with an overall injury severity score of 16. So uh, these weren't just people who, you know, were kind of walked in with these minor injuries. Mm -hmm. Um, They were most likely male, uh, as you'd expect from most trauma populations. So about 70% were transferred to a level one center while the remaining were transferred to level two. And the most common injury was a a ground level fall. Mm -hmm. So when you compare these groups, transferred to a level one center, uh, patients transferred to a level one center are more likely to be non of the non-white race, younger. Uh, they have less comorbidities, uh, and they were overall more severely injured. But the incidence of severe traumatic brain injury was similar, and there was no difference in the percentage of patients who required emergency craniectomy and craniotomy between the two center types. Um, so they were different in a lot of ways, but similar in, in, in some other key ways as well. Now, of note, the incidence of ICP monitoring overall was only 4%. Uh, with more having ICP monitoring at a level one center. Mm-hmm. Uh, as one would expect, gender mechanism injury, severity of TBI, and more physiologic derangement on admission was associated with death. Now, adjusting for these variables on logistic regression, however, showed that there was no adjusted mortality difference for patients transferred to a level one compared to a level two. Therefore, we would recommend that the decision to transfer a TBI patient from a non-trauma or lower level trauma center to a level one or two center should not be based on perceived mortality outcome differences as was supported by more obsolete data in the past. We would support transfer to a level one or level two center without delay, since it may be more easy to transfer to a more prevalent or local level two versus a more distant and less prevalent level one. So what limitations of your study do you feel we should note? Yeah, there, there are a few I'd like to mention, you know, and the primary limitation of this study is that it's retrospective design util- utilizing a registry database. As such, the data set lacks detail to reliably identify variables that may have yielded our results. 
There were significant differences between patients admitted to level one and level two, and we can only adjust for these variables with statistical analysis, which your listeners know can only identify statistical association, though improvements in resourcing have reasonable causative merit. While implementation of the Orange Book is temporally related to our changes in level two performance in comparison to level one in this group, you know, to purely scientifically demonstrate that is, is a very elusive thing. And, 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 and it's much better demonstrated on a prospective basis. It's, and you wouldn't run a study where you'd on purpose, you know, transfer to a level two and a le or a level one. You'd go to the closest place and the one that makes the most sense. Uh, you know, further, it's important to remember another limitation is that we only included trauma centers achieving American College of Surgeons COT verification. You know, and this was really unavoidable since we, we presumed that these centers complied with the 2014, in fact, they're required to re comply with the latest edition of the Orange Book Resources Manual by the time the 2017 data was submitted. And thus, this was really key to our hypothesis. There is an invited commentary by Drs. Jenkins and Newgard that accompanies your paper in the March issue, and it states, and I quote, the finding that no statistically significant difference existed between types of trauma centers is provocative and has potentially consequential policy implications for trauma systems. And then they later note that the limitations of the study and that, quote, mortality is a blunt measure of healthcare quality. So you started to, to mention, how do you think this data should inform trauma care in the future? Um, and what other studies do you feel should come next or may need to come next? You know, I, I'll agree with the commentary and the comment about mortality. It is a blunt measure, particularly in TBI. Um, and, and that's a future, future study that, that, that we're planning. But I think the most important finding of our study is that it shows the potential effect of a large sweeping quality improvement program that includes trauma program aspect, uh, access to their benchmark data. It shows how an improvement in a system can improve care at the patient level. It has trauma system design implications and level one and level two distribution implications since at least for transporting of TBI patients from one, from one place to another, a level two can be expected to yield similar results to level one. Now, additional studies that we anticipate that we would like to do in the future would include a comparison of trauma programs verified and designated by state and local authorities and not by the American College of Surgeons. It would suggest that even wider adoption of these variables that may have implication to, tra to transfer TBI patients that result in relative improvements in outcomes in the different levels of centers. Now, I always like to say in trauma, the system saves lives. And we want to do further studies to assess how our current system works well, how it works not so well, and potentially how we can improve the system for the future. Well, fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Plurad, and thank you again for your work. Well, I appreciate the invitation and stay safe out there. Thanks for listening to this month's AEM Early Access. The full text of this article is available on our blog at brownemblog.com, open access for a limited time. Check out all of our podcasts on iTunes. Search for AEM Early Access, all one word. Today's music is by Scott Holmes. I'm Dr. Gita Pensa, and we'll see you next time.